Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Mr. Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Hedrick, and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Hello, and welcome to a special small screen edition of the Who's Who podcast, a proud member of the Firewater Podcast Network. I went over your host, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me is my co-host, the Titanic, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine. Uh... That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, folks, we have previously done some what we're called like flashback episodes, I guess is the best, best way to put it, for Justice League of America to tie in with the movie, uh, the Aquaman to tie in with the movie, and Wonder Woman to tie in with the movie. So we decided, you know what? We're, <laughs> all right. Enough, basically buddy. to tie it into the movie, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, it was just, uh, desperately jumping on the bandwagon is what we like to call these. So oh, I decided that with the Titans TV series, with season three about to premiere on August 12th, I thought this is a perfect chance for us to look back at some of the Titans uh, entries of who's who we've covered over the years. So I thought this would be kind of fun. If you haven't seen it, go check out the trailer for Titans Season 3. I'll tell you a little history of the, of the show with me. For me personally, I've seen Seasons 1 and 2. I did not want to. Uh, when the first trailer came out, I saw it and I said, I hate this. I absolutely hate everything about this trailer. This is not the Titans for me. So I watched the first episode as sort of like a hate watch. You know, I don't know if you've ever done anything like that. We're like, I'm going to watch this just so I can tell people it sucks. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, it's not the Titan series I wanted. It's not the Titan series I would have asked for. It's not the Titan series I would have made myself. However, for what it is, I found myself enjoying it. And the more and more I watched it, I found myself enjoying it more and more. Again, it's not what I, like if I sat down and labeled the things I love in life, this would not, this is not a formula for what I want, but I still found it very enjoyable. The actor who plays Dick Grayson, I think he's pitch perfect. I mean, he's great. I think the actress who plays Donna Troy, when she got a chance to really shine in season two, she's also fantastic. Beast Boy, there's a lot of modernization of Beast Boy, kind of took him from, you know, the old Changeling style and modernism. All right. Uh, Raven, I kind of hate that character no matter what, but uh, this version in the TV series, I warmed up to her, so I kind of like this version of Raven. Starfire, I have gone on record many times on this show saying I can't stand that character in comics. This is the only version of Starfire that has ever held my interest. The one in the TV show. I think she's interesting, and I've really been into it. Superboy gets rolled into season two. It's been interesting. Hawk and Dove, two characters that I never thought I would care about, are very interesting in the series. And by the way, Dove, oh my gosh. Insanely smoking hot. Probably one of the most beautiful women on the planet. So it's really been a show that I was in enjoying. So the trailer for season three is out and it opens with Jason Todd and he's surrounded by a lot of imagery for the Joker. So that doesn't really bode well for Jason. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to season three. Again, it's coming August 12th and we just thought this would be a great chance to do some Titans coverage. So Rob, why don't you tell us some of your like favorite eras of the Titans or things that you love about the Titans? Well, I mean, like anybody else, I certainly love the new Teen Titans by Marvel from the George Perez. That was a huge 
book at the time. I was nine when it came out and it was just, you know, Marvel Wolfman had, was sort of bringing a Marvel sensibility to the characterization. So I really love that, that book. But I uh, I also love the original iteration. There's something uh, to me very pure about it just initially being the teen sidekicks. Thought that, that that was always really cool. And the Teen Titans comics were some of the earliest back issues that I ever bought. So I really do have a, a, a soft spot for that early version and then the new Teen Titans, both of versions I, I really love quite a bit. So I have a weird history with Teen Titans. The Wolfman Perez stuff, I've never actually read it from beginning to end. I've dipped in and I've read some here and there and it's always amazing. It's always astonishing and lovely when I read it, but it never is anything that's driven me to, to read it all. I, I think I've mentioned this on at least one of our shows before. I've got a stack of the whole entire first series, the one that eventually becomes Tales of the Teen Titans. I've got the entire stack sitting next to my desk on a, on a bookshelf and it's been on that shelf for probably 10 years and I've never gotten past like issue six. I don't know what it is. There's something about me that's broken. I can't explain it, folks. So the Wolfman Perez series, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, but I never read the whole thing. So a lot of my passion comes from more the idea of the Titans, of them in like the DC role-playing game. I read about them forever there. read about them in Who's Who. I heard about kids talk about them on the bus. Yes, kids talked about the Teen Titans on the bus when I was growing up, as crazy as that sounds. And then I ended up going on a buying binge. You mentioned the earlier Titans. I fell in love with like the really not well-regarded late 70s version of the Teen Titans. I like, like those too. Yeah, Joker's Daughter and stuff. Yeah, like Bob Rosakis, I think, wrote some of those. Yep. yep. I, I, I love the sort of kitschiness of it. Like you said, Joker's Daughter and, and uh, oh gosh. All, anyway, it was kooky. It was very kooky. Lilith and all this stuff. And I, I adored those. And then it all finally clicked for me was when the Titans hunt started, which was late, late, late into the Baxter series, like issue 71 or something like that in the 90s. And they said, you know, jumping on point. I'm like, all right, I'll try it. It's Tom Grummet drawing. It's Marv Wolfman. It should have been called How Marv Wolfman Got His Groove Back is what it should have been called. Because for like a shining year or two, the new Titans was amazing. It was so good. It was so compelling. The art was great. Marv finally got through his writer's block, was doing a great job. And then because it was so popular, it expanded again. They added the Team Titans. They added Deathstroke. And all of Marv Wolfman's writer block came screaming back. So they're like, there's this glorious year or two. And then it gets really messy. And I reread it all recently. I love that era, especially Tom Grummet. Oh, and I stayed with the Titans for like whatever year. Again, issue 71. So I think it's like 1991 or something like that. I stayed from that all the way into the New 52. And then the New 52 was so horrible, I, I finally stopped. And then I picked some up during Rebirth and everything. But I just, I've had a passion for him for a long, long time. I'm just that one guy that doesn't know the Wolfman Press stuff in and out. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to get into this. We're going to play entries uh, from a ton of old Who's Who episodes. Keep in mind, folks, you're going to hear 10 years of coverage, really, because <laughs> that's how long we're doing the show. So you're wow. going to hear a variety of audio quality. You're going to hear a variety of opinions that actually evolve and change over time. Also, we're not going to play them in chronological order, so it's not going to be like the first iteration of Who's Who in it. It's going to be all mixed up because we're going to do it more in a character order. So we'll start with like the main Titans and then move into minor Titans and move into like villains and stuff like that. And we picked from a variety of Who's Who sources. We didn't just want to pick everything from Volume 1 because, you know, it's, it would just all be Perez. And in previous flashback episodes, you covered the, the Aqualad from Volume 1 and you covered the Wonder Girl. So we've already done this. I don't want to repeat them. So we're going to pick different versions of Aqualad, different versions of Wonder Girl, stuff like that. We want to give a lot of love to all the Who's Who incarnations. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun going down, uh, down this little memory lane. Now, we do need to take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of Who's Who is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best 
best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What'd you bring, buddy? Yeah, earlier I referenced how much I liked the original iteration of the Teen Titans when they were just the teen, you know, sidekicks of the main DC superhero. So I picked Teen Titans, the Silver Age Omnibus, Volume 1. This reprints Brave and the Bold, number 54, which is, of course, their first appearance, number 60, number 83, Showcase 59, and then Teen Titans 1 through 19, all by Bob Haney and Nick Carty with a gorgeous cover by Darwin Cook. That's redundant. The page count, <laughs> 880. Oh, my god! 880. Think of how big this book is. The normal price, 99.99, but in stock trades price, 57.99. You say 42%. This, I mean, again, think about it. Almost a thousand pages. That's what uh, Robin used to have to sit on in order to drive the Batmobile when he was young. Exactly. You're the ginchiest wonder girl, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really fun. Again, the, the cover by Darwin Cook is just so wonderful. Uh, so you can't beat it. Teen Titans, the Silver Age Omnibus, Volume 1. That's awesome. Uh, I picked New Teen Titans Trade Paperback Volume 7, uh, which is a little weird one to pick, but I picked it because it's got the Judas contract. So it's got the Judas contract and more. Covers Tales of the Teen Titans 42 to 48 and Titans Annual Number 3. And there's a cool thing in here. I don't know if you were a follower of independent comics at the time, but there's a secret crossover with Eclipse Comics where the Teen Titans fight the DNA agents, but they don't call them the DNA agents. They call them right. the, the recombinants or something like that. And then the same month uh, over in the DNA, now this isn't in the collection, but the DNA agents fought a version of the Teen Titans and they told kind of a parallel story. It's kind of a really fun secret crossover. Anyway, uh, of course, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Page counts 224 pages, full color, uh, soft cover. So if you don't have the, however much it was for that omnibus, you could get this one. Uh, only be $11.59 out of your pocket because it's 42% off of the $19.99 price. So there you go. So for these and all your trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com and let them know that the Fire and Water Podcast Network sent you. Also, we need to take a second to thank you folks at home for your support uh, through Patreon. Because, you know, running on the Fire and Water Podcast Network with so many shows and online hosting and, and all these various things, it costs a fair amount of money. And you guys really stepped up to plate to help us out. And we really appreciate it. Now, if you're enjoying shows like this, the Who's Who Podcast or other shows, the best way to support us is by visiting our Patreon. What's that address, Rob? Patreon.com slash Podcast. While you're there, please consider supporting the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And at certain tiers, you get mentioned on your favorite Fire and Water shows, just like these folks who asked to be thanked on the Who's Who Podcast. So our thanks to Jeremiah Jones-Goldstein, Michael O'Brien, Damian Droud-Whiter, Michael Atchison, Nathan Archer, Noah Tarnow, Tom Panarese, Paul Kenzel, Chris Lydon, Steve Givens, Tom Perrin, David Ace Gutierrez, Gord Tolton, Chuck Coletta, and Corey Drew. Again, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. All right, folks, so we're about to get into this. You can go out to our website, which is going to have a gallery of all these entries, so you can check them out there at firewaterpodcast.com. All right, now onto the entries, so I think I should say something like Titans Together or Teen Titans Go! All of those are terrible. Please stop doing that. Stop. <laughs> stop. Please stop. Team Titans. Up next, a final entry of the book, folks. This is Nightwing, drawn by George Perez. And it's a really nice picture of Nightwing. He's standing there with he's got his arm leaning on like a monitor or a fireplace, and it's a picture of himself. And you see the Titans in the background battling. Um, oh, it's just, no, it's not even the Titans. It's just uh, Nightwing. I'm sorry. And then there's Titans Tower. He's like on a pier or something with the artwork of the shadows in the background. Anyway, really nice looking picture of Nightwing in his uh, disco collar era. The big thing here is they, they indicate that it's now in question how Dick Grayson quit being Robin and how he became Nightwing. They do say that that has not been revealed, which, of course, it was all revealed in New Teen Titans, but they decided to void that in option for some other stories. So at this point, it's unknown why he quit being Robin, so they must be right around the corner from revealing that. 
And there's no mention of the Brother Blood, which is how the last Nightwing entry had left off with this big thing about how Brother Blood had taken Nightwing over. We didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, this one's a little more timeless, though. And they do mention that he is second only to Batman in his detective skills. Okay. Oh, you know. So what do you think? Uh, it's, well, it's George Perez doing a Teen Titan. You kind of can't beat that. Dick looks short. He doesn't look 5'10". He looks a little stumpy here. But... Otherwise, it looks really good, and the detail is great, and all the action stuff. So, and I like that. I like that logo. I'm not a big fan of this version of the costume, but still, yeah, it's pretty great. And I enjoy Dick Grayson coming out of the shadow of Batman. So, I, yeah, I dug it all. Yeah, well, and, and if you want, if you have to see this version of the costume, the person you want to see draw it is George Perez. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, the interesting thing is the yellow bits there. Do you know what those yellow bits are supposed to represent? Is that supposed to be a tribute to Nightwing and Flamebird? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But it's, it's the yellow bits are supposed to be feathers. Oh, really? I never got that. I never got that. But yeah. I, that was revealed in a Robin comic. I was like, what? You know, maybe that was a retcon or maybe someone just finally explained it. But those are supposed to be sort of hints at, at feathers and, you know, like the wings going up his, his No, I did not get that at all. I know. <laughs> so for more on Nightwing or Robin, you can check out a couple different places. Check out the Pop Culture Affidavit. Our buddy Tom Panarese does a, a podcast and has a blog, and he's covered the Titans quite a bit. There is a podcast that our buddy Ryan Daly has fallen in love with called Teen Titan Wasteland, which covers a lot of the old Teen Titan stories, which might be worth checking out. And then our buddy uh, Lil Chad Buckleman is about to start the Action Comics Weekly podcast, and Nightwing will be one of the reoccurring characters. So, very cool. Teen Titans! Okay, uh, next up is Troya. And uh, (laughs) the first sentence of the listing of Troya. The background of Donna Troy is confused and shrouded in mystery. Brother, you said a mouthful. (laughs) What I really wish, I wish there was a creator credit on this one. And I wish it said, created by dot 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 accident. Which yeah. is what I wish it said, because that's the truth. A little bit of Bob Haney, was... a little bit of Marv Wolfman, uh, a little bit of everybody going on here. Yeah, Troy, this is her, I, I have never, I read this listing and I'm still kind of like, huh, what? Like I've never <laughs> been able to quite figure out this whole, what, this is just I one jotted of these, it down knowing that you were going to say that, Yeah, this way. is just one of these characters that just doesn't make any sense anymore when you, after you've redone Wonder Woman, but if she's such a good character, you can't just throw her out. So they have to kind of like jerry-rig a reason to turn her into this other version. Um, the, the piece, of course, is by George Perez, who, as usual, brings it. Um, we see all the different iterations of her as a baby and then as Wonder Girl, and then later on as a slightly older Donna Troy. We see in her different costumes, and then her in her current outfit as Troy, which I think is, uh, frankly, a little on the busy side. Well, it's it's George Perez drawing an overly complex co- Designing, I, I should say. Not just doing one only he can draw. What's that? Doing, doing costume only he can draw. Right, exactly. It's just too complicated for subsequent artists. So, of course, this costume got redesigned many times after he left the book because other people were like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Forget that. Um, I, like probably most every other red-blooded American, Wonder Girl was one of my earliest comic book crushes. Um, totally had the hots for Donna Troy. Still do. So, of course, uh, forgive me. She's hot. Uh, the, art, the entry is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's sexy. All the above. Um, just to fill in the history because Rob is too – uh, cowardly to do it. Here's the gist of it. It's written by Marv Wolfman, by the way. Um, as far as how she was actually created, there were stories in the old Wonder Woman comics of Wonder Woman when she was a, a teenager, and that was Wonder Girl. And then Bob Haney comes along for the two Teen Titans, and he sees there is a Wonder Girl, not knowing that it's, it's like Superboy. It's you know Wonder Woman when she was a girl. Or not Karen. 
or not caring exactly. So he introduces her into the Teen Titans and adds her in there when everyone should be like, wait, that's like Superboy. It doesn't work. Okay, just go, Bob. Do your thing. It's fine. You're selling. Okay, you do it. So anyway, so she really was created literally by accident. Anyway, uh, at this point in this version, which is the post, oh gosh, it's post whatever at this point, post crisis, post you know who is Donna Troy, who is Troy, all this stuff. She she was an orphan. She got caught up in this horrible, horrible human trafficking situation of babies. Um, the the legendary Titans of Myth, meaning like the Greek gods, saved her uh, from death by fire along with several other children, and basically turned them into seeds, like little seed pods or whatever, uh, for, so that the Titans of Myth could later on be, be brought back, if you will. That's the shorthand version of it. And it gets very complicated from there, and that alone took me forever to just water that down. So, anyway, uh, lovely character, wonderful, had a horribly confusing history. So, anyway. Um, she, at this point in time, the Titans was a very important issue. I've been talking about it for months. New Teen Titans, or New Titans, I'm sorry, number 71, the beginning of the glorious Titans hunt, which brought the Teen Titans. What's that? I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Sorry, we're having a little bit of a internet hiccup. I think the internet, I think what's happened is Philemon has actually dialed into Comcast and is trying to prevent me from talking about the Titans hunt is what's happening here. Uh, so anyway, the Titans hunt started with New Teen Titans, the New Titans number 71, and it really brought the Titans back after many years of sort of mm, being middling. Anyway, if you want more on the Teen Titans, you can check out the Titan of the Defense podcast where they talk about the Teen Titans, or you can check out Pop Culture Affidavit, or if you would like to protest the Titans hunt, uh, I think Philemon meets, what, every other Thursday in the tree fort down on 2nd Street uh, for the uh, Jericho fan club. So go check it out. What's the name of Tom Panarese's show again? Oh, uh, well, Pop Culture Affidavit. I just mentioned it. Okay. I, well, I, I find it funny because when you say it, it sounds like you're saying Pop Culture Affidavit. And it's, it's oh, affidavit. It just I makes probably am not pronouncing it correctly. Okay. I, I have it spelled correctly. I just didn't say it right. <laughs> there's, there's, like, there's a guy named Al Affidavit. <laughs> but he, he, I think he did more of his Teen Titan stuff on his blog, which is Pop Culture Affidavid, uh, or actually with a T. Anyway, I think it was more on his blog where he did his Teen Titan stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. His friends used to write in. They get letters published in the Teen Titans. They, right. In fact, it was, if I remember, oh gosh, Tom, if oh, I'm getting this wrong. you shut up about Troya already? We're getting to my favorite list. No, no, no. It's funny. On on it's funny. It's funny. If I remember right, Tom and his buddy would write, like, hate letters about Donna Troy, specifically because they knew they could get published. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. He was, an, he was an early troll, all right? Proud, we're oh. very proud of Tom Panner. Right. There's a reason Rob is trying to stop me from talking more about Troy, because he wants to get to the next entry. Yes, I do. It's my favorite one of the friggin' book. It's fantastic. It's Ultra the Multi-Alien. Teen Titans! Up next is Speedy by Tom Grummet and Al Vey. Oh, Tom Grumman Alve could do no wrong in this time. It is a wonderful picture of Speedy. He's running across a rooftop in his yellow and red outfit. He's got his yellow bow. Uh, he's got, oddly enough, green arrows. you think he would have changed those up for red, but whatever. Uh, what do you think of this image here? Oh, it's a great piece. I like it. The pose is great. The, the anatomy is great. It kind of reminds me, the rooftop that he's on reminds me of that image, that classic image of Batman and Robin on the rooftop that Carmen Infantino and Murphy Anderson drew that you saw in all the merchandise and stuff, where Batman has like his cape up to his head. It's like, it's like Batman and Robin just took off and Speedy's right behind them or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's great. I think the logo's kind of boring. We haven't talked about the logos too much uh, yes, in, in this series so far. Um, it's kind of a boring logo. It's just sort of a typeset thing, but I don't know. I, I dig it. I like this character. I had the Mego doll, which was very exciting, although it was easy to lose all the accoutrement. But uh, no, I, I dig it. It's, I think it's good. 
Okay. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Tom Grommet. You talk about he's been underrated. I don't think he was underrated in 1990 when this came out. I think he's definitely underrated nowadays. People have forgot, sort of forgotten him. But he, he sort of, to me, is always was like a um, John Byrne of the 90s, meaning you know, John Byrne in the 80s could draw a character, and the character always looked great. You know, it was always you could always tell it was Byrne, but the character looked great. Well, in the 90s, you could always tell it was a Grummet drawing, but it always looked great. So I I love this era. I always want to take the uh, Tom Grummet. Titans uh, entries from Who's Who and line them up to see if they sort of all fit like they're all in one plane because sometimes they're all on rocks and you're like, do those rocks fit up with the other rocks? They don't, but it always makes me want to try that. So the deal here with Speedy, uh, Roy Harper, unfortunate origin, most of you probably know it. Uh, he was an orphan. He was raised by these Native Americans. He was an archer. He, was, he idolized Green Arrow. They set up this archery contest to, to be judged by Green Arrow. It's a really ridiculously, overly complex way he became Green Arrow sidekick, whatever. Anyway, he ends up becoming um, the sidekick. And then Green Arrow does exactly what you would expect Oliver Queen to do. He ignores his son, his adopted son, basically, his adopted ward. And then Speedy eventually turns to drugs, specifically heroin. Uh, then he, he shakes that off. He becomes sort of a champion for reformed drug addicts. And he ends up involved in sort of a government, shady government agency. It's sort of like the FBI, but it's the, uh, I think, the CBI. He get, hooks up on one adventure with Cheshire. And by hook up, I mean he hooks up. And they have a daughter together named Leanne, or Leon, L-I-A-N. And at this point, Leanne is living with Roy, and he's raising her. He's a single dad raising a young girl, which I think is an awesome thing to have in a comic. It's such a great role model for people. And nothing, nothing ever, ever bad happened to Leanne. So that's how that that ends. Um, experience was, of course, More Fun Comics number seventy three, which is nineteen forty one. More Fun Comics number seventy three, but Rob, what? That's awful close to something else, right? Uh, it would be the exact same first appearance as Aquaman. <gasps> Imagine that. So green, you know. Actually, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize Green Arrow started with Speedy. So interesting. Okay, yep, I thought they Speedy all they later. all first appeared in the same comic. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So at this point, folks, uh, in the Teen Titans lore, they are on the shelves this month is New Teen Titans number 70, which in and of itself is not that important. But next month is New Teen Titans number 71, the beginning of the Titans hunt, which is one of the greatest eras of, uh, uh, of Teen Titans history after you get to pass, like, you know, the um, – uh, uh, Marv Wolfman, George Perez era. It is absolutely fantastic. And so uh, I think it's exciting. Very exciting. Team Titans! Alright, so getting into the first entry is some guy who hangs out with a guy that talks to fish. Uh, uh, yeah, we're starting Aqual- off on a high note here. Aqualad. You know, it's a shame there's no movie for this franchise that could have made any money or anything, right? But... That- <laughs> Billion dollars. Okay. All right. All right. Enough. Top, top uh, twenty money most making movies of all time. Isn't that right? Oh my mm-hmm. god. The top the most money making DC movie of all time. Insane. Okay. Isn't that amazing. So anyway. I'm going to actually, t- even though I'm leading this issue, which we're all thankful for, I'm going to take a back seat here and let Rob Doodle here uh, talk about Aqualad. Go for it, buddy. Okay. Well, I've been trying to get into it, and you keep talking. So anyway. So yeah, anyway, we, this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Omega Men. No. No. We're starting off on a high <laughs> note with with Aqualad by Steve Lytle, the great Steve Lytle. It's got this very nice picture of Garth floating in the water, and then there's a very familiar walrus uh, in front of him. More on that in a moment. In front of this nice kind of circular design of this kind of like kind of like a rock formation. It looks really cool. There's a sunlight streaming down. It's very nice. And the main um, difference between this listing and, of course, his original listing and the original Who's Who is that in this time, uh, in, the, in the intervening years, he lost Tula. 
And so it reiterates the origin of it. He was an outcast because of his purple eyes, and then Aquaman discovered him, and he took him under his wing. I mean, you guys you guys know all that. He became a member of the Teen Titans. But then it gets into the thing where he fell in love with Tula, and then Tula died during the crisis. And after that, he has just become kind of this mopey guy, and he says Aqualad withdrew from surface activities. He's only been seen once uh, with his fellow Titans, uh, and, and, and it also talks about how he, he and Aquaman uh, grew apart. Uh, on, on the insets, there's a nice shot of Aqualad, Aquaman caught up in some, like, uh, some uh, like kelp or something, something yeah. seaweed or something, and Aqualad is helping him be freed with a knife, and then there's him hanging out with the Teen Titans, and then there's a shot of him uh, presumably mourning the dead body of Tula. And it's very sad, because I like them as a couple. I think they were really cute, and I admired their willingness to make Aqualad to go so far down that road, to making him just miserable and depressed mm-hmm. at the same time it doesn't you know there's n- not there's not too far to go with that at a certain right. point you know because then he's just like sad sack all the time um you, ha- you have to let somebody come back from that if you want right, to tell that story right exactly now i was very curious as to why steve lytle drew this listing uh, because I, as far as I knew, Steve Lytle doesn't have any connection to Aqualad. So I reached out to Steve Lytle. Oh, wow. And, okay. Yeah, and I asked him, and I said, well, how did you end up uh, drawing this uh, this listing? And he wrote back, very nice to write back, and he said, I've always liked underdog characters, you know, characters that have great unexplored potential. On top of everything else, I have very fond memories of Aqualad and Tusky from the Filmation cartoon. I even remember quietly pretending that I was Aqualad while swimming underwater. Mm. Editor, right, editor Michael Urey asked me if I had any particular characters that I wanted to do. I think he had a list of available characters that were not already locked into a particular artist from that character's history. I know that I jumped at the chance to draw Aqualad, but said, on one condition, I've got to include Tusky the Walrus. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, Michael and I are from the same generation, and he thought it was a great idea. In fact, he was so enthusiastic about the piece that he ended up asking if he could buy the original <gasps> for his personal collection. Instead, I gifted the original art to him. Oh, so wow. There, there's the secret origin of why Steve Lytle drew Aqualad. And it's a great piece. I love it. Well, you know, uh, Michael Urey confirms the Tusky thing in the letters page. He even yes, he, he does. specifically says that, yes, that is Tusky, which was great. Yep. I, didn't, I had no idea about the other backstory. This is really interesting. And, and you know, Steve Lytle helps run the Facebook page for what is it, the Aquaman and Aqualad thing? I believe um, so, yes. That our buddy Little Russell Burbage is, uh, works with, too? Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. That's awesome. And it is a beautiful drawing. You're absolutely right. Now, you talked about the primary difference between the previous Aqualad entry and this one. I thought you were going to say the biggest difference is the mullet. But, you know. No. <laughs> it does look a little silly, doesn't it? Because, you know, he's supposed to have, like, really curly hair normally, so the mullet doesn't quite – I don't know. Anyway. I, I, I'm willing to take the mullet over that giant perm that he had. I never really was a big <laughs> fan of that. Uh, also, the only other thing I want to mention, they do talk about the Titans hunt in here, just putting that in there for Philemon, uh, and they do talk about how Aqualad was injured during that. Now, the entry is written by Robert Greenberger, and the entry, of course, is red, and his first appearance was Adventure Comics number 260. So, that's, what's that, 1958, something like that? Something like that. Yeah, sometimes they have the years here, sometimes they don't, but yeah. But yeah. Wow, okay. And to give you some perspective, on the shelf at this time was New Titans number 74, which is three issues into the Titans hunt, and Aqualad had been in the uh, issue before this. And if you want more on Aqualad, you could turn into, oh, I don't know, the Aquaman and Firestorm podcast, maybe? Just a thought. Anyway. Team Titans! Next up is Kid Flash by George Perez. Uh, Kind of an odd logo. That's got to be... 
either just hashed out for this or maybe something from the 60s because it's very plain. But anyway, so uh, really nice George Perez drawing. It starts off where in the distance you can see the original Kid Flash costume, which is basically the same as Barry Allen's costume, zipping around to the future where he's wearing his new Teen Titans costume. However, I'm normally not critical of George, but I will say... He, his face looks a little. Yeah, it looks like it looks like he did in crisis when he was yeah. running to you know like you know running very frenetically and worried about Barry and stuff like that. Yeah, he looks sickly. Yeah, but the, in the serpent, you know, you got totally gorgeous. You know, the the chemical splashing on Wally, which it almost the black and white almost doesn't do it justice because there's so much going on in that little tiny drawing. You really got to look at, it. or maybe if it was bigger, it would work better. But just where the chemicals are splashing on Wally, which looks great. You get a nice close-up of his face in the Flash costume coming out of the ring and his parents. It's really nice. It's a nice picture. So I um, thought it was interesting that his pa- at least at this point, his parents were never named. I, th- I found that odd. I was like, wow. I mean, he'd been around for a long time. His parents would show up a lot in New Teen Titans, but they never were named. How strange. Mm-hmm. So, Now, they do talk about how... Um, this is, as we said, right at the end of Crisis. And he says he returned to action during Crisis because he had been losing his powers. And maybe my memory's faulty. I thought his powers were killing him. Yeah, I thought... Yeah, I thought so, too. So it says he was losing his powers. I don't know. Now, the one thing that is really skipped, which I found kind of surprising, was they don't talk about how Raven... Uh, emotionally manipulated him throughout the Titans' history because uh, she made him fall in love and then he was still with the Titans and he didn't know whether it was because there because he wanted to or because he thought he loved Raven and stuff like that. Now, there's kind of a neat thing where they talk about how he had, um, he made his hair appear brown. It says, for a time, Wally sprayed his hair brown before appearing as Kid Flash in order to help conceal his secret identity. He used that dust that Johnny Thunder used. Exactly. Yeah, the same subscription service. And it makes me wonder... Was that legitimately something in the comic, or did they sort of retcon that in later? Because in, I want to say in the cartoon, I think he had brown hair, didn't he? Uh, you're... I don't the answer remember. Is yes, he did. Yeah, Jack. okay, all right. So. <laughs> anyway, so uh, nice entry. Um, always glad to see George Perez in the pages of Who's Who. So. Absolutely. Next up is the big star of the book, Cyborg. Dun, dun, dun. Drawn by, of course, George Perez and Romeo Tangal, and is you know another classic Perez listing. We see Victor Stone as he's being transformed into cyborg, his skull being replaced by robotic parts, kind of icky. Uh, we see him lifting up a giant rock. We see him blasting things, and then we have a shot of the city. It's you know a typically beautiful George Perez piece. Yeah, and actually George didn't have a lot of room to work with here because um, there's so much text about cyborg, I and mean, he's yeah. probably only got less than just just barely more than half a page. So uh, it's a, it's, he did, as always, as you said, did a really nice job. The coloring's really nice on this too, actually. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's, it, in terms of the new Fifty Two Cyborg, he's been treated quite well. He's a bigger star than he ever was. Uh, Maybe not bigger, but he's you know. yeah. It's kind of it's funny. It's hard to argue that because like New Teen Titans back then probably sold a heck of a lot more copies than Justice League selling what? right I'm now. Sure, I'm sure, you're right. Yeah. So it's it's funny how you can argue it. Like he's he's definitely more in the spotlight. Yes. You know, it, it, within the DCU, like character wise. Yeah, absolutely. But he he was definitely a character that that obviously DC felt the need to promote because he was put in the Superpowers cartoon show. Yep. And they, he was a stand, him and Firestorm were sensibly like the main characters on that show when it was in the uh, Galactic Guardians phase. Yeah. So um, yeah, so he's always been sort of a big deal in the DCU one way or the other. Yeah. Of course, he's the main character here on the book. Created by George, co-created by George Perez. Good stuff. Here we go. 
Teen Titans. Next up, Raven from the Teen Titans, uh, drawn by Tom Grumman and Al Vey. Uh, the text is by Mark Wade. Uh, of course, this is again the Teen Titans character. This version, this I had long ago not, I had long ago not read, stopped reading the Teen Titans, so I was unfamiliar with her and her white getup okay. uh, here instead of the blue. I mean, I saw it in like pictures here and there. I love the design of it. I think that this design is fantastic. Where she's coming out of the cloud, she's she's creating this sort of cloud. Uh, mist around her, and there's these rings, and her cape is forming this sort of. It, it's forming. It's forming a larger version of the shape of her hood, mm-hmm. where it's this kind of bows down, and then it, the 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 white just goes right off to the edge of the frame. So it sort of frames the image while it's still being part of the image, and it's got her legs and picking up from their dress. Uh, I it looks great, and this I don't know. Was this anybody's ever favorite Teen Titan? Just because she was so tortured. I mean, of course, she's the daughter of Trigon, and just from what I remember, she was always just such a drip yes and of course you can understand it because she's tortured and you know whatever but uh, you, i just you know the, the the new teen titans characters were so full of life and verve and excitement and she was always the one that was like you know i sense great darkness <laughs> you know, all right okay all right, all right all right or manipulating wally west yeah and she's nobody's favorite in the comics at all everyone kind of hates her and maybe there's somebody out there but really she's done much better for herself in other media i mean when she in the teen titans cartoon where she's playing like the emo uh sort of yeah, character right, I mean, yeah. everyone loves that version she's great and now you talk about the design here all they really did was switch the dark blue for white i mean the right. the pose the the way the cape does it the clouds all this is straight up from perez's design they just flip the the darker color to the lighter color when she purged Trigon from her, at least for now, because it's always coming back, that kind of thing. I I also had a little use for this character. Again, other than in the cartoon where she was funny, I like her in Tiny Titans and surprisingly, I really liked her in the Titans TV series as well. So, a lot of use for the character outside of the comic books is is kind of a weird thing. Now, one of the things I like that George Perez did when he designed the new Teen Titans, and maybe this is an apocryphal story, but it seems to hold up in in looking back at this stuff, is he designed specifically Raven, Wonder Girl, and Starfire all to have different figures. Um, Raven was sort of a more demure, um, uh, tiny you know, a, a sort of body. You mentioned she's 5'1", 125, yep. so that is conspicuously short. But she's also not terribly chesty, whereas Donna was a little more full-figured and a little more uh, curvish, curvaceous. And then you get Starfire, who's ridiculously curvy. So he specifically right. tried to design girls that would look different from the other in silhouette, or, you know, they, they clearly looked different from one. They weren't all the same body type, which I thought was, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea. Almost as if people have different body types. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, her powers were always – I found them interesting because they were unique where she could pull pain out of people. Like I don't remember another character really having that kind of power. So I thought that was an interesting idea. But again, there was really – she was such a drag, such a drag. And it was always like, it, it, oh, Trigon, them fighting against Trigon. Oh, he's evil. Yeah, we get it. I know. Let's just go fight Trigon. Don't bitch about it. It's a Counselor Troy. Shut up, Okay. It mentions, wow. It mentions in the final paragraph, it says she established herself as a powerful empath. Her greatest victory came from when, when she succumbed to her father's power, then fought back and won, forever freeing herself of his evil and long less allowing herself to experience ambition, emotions on her own. I assume that it's in that fight that she went from blue to white. Yeah, I think that I was... It doesn't mention that, but I assume that's the change. I think that was a, like the, the climactic battle of the first story arc within the Baxter series in New Teen Titans, I think is what it was. Ah, okay. But um, they should have put forever in quotes... 
Uh, because not too long after this, she ends up turning to evil again, and she wears she goes way super crazy nineties, dude. It's way off the rails. Like she's oh, wearing okay. her clothes are basically just a couple of strips of cloth across her. I think her chest and her and her private and other reasons downstairs. I think she's wearing a thong too. I mean, just like. She's almost completely naked, and she's super evil, and she shows up when Dick and Corey get married, and she kisses Corey and, and plants a demon seed inside of her or something. I mean, it's just – it was that way sounds awesome. I'm going to read that. Right. Uh, Marv Wolfman <laughs> – You're making it sound really good. I know. Marv Wolfman has said many times that he hit a writer's block about that time. Right, so right, it's, uh, right, right. Oof, it was not good. So anyway. All right. Um, okay. Interesting fact. Uh, the, the Titans TV series on the DC app, the very first opening is on Raven, and it starts off by just saying Traverse City, Michigan. Which is where I was born. So, like, when that came up, I was like, huh? It actually caught my attention. And I maybe that's why I'm a little favorable to her. I don't know. Anyway, uh, New Titans was on issue number 75 at this point, uh, well into the Titans hunt. Your border is red, of course. Uh, Tom, Did we say Tom Grumman Alve drew it? I wasn't really sure. I did. Okay. I did. And, of course, Mark Wade wrote it. Uh, you get the creative eye credit here from Marv Wolfman and George Perez, which is nice. And if you want more on Raven, um, you could check out the Titans uh, TV show. Teen Titans! Next up is uh, Starfire from the Teen Titans, drawn by Tom Grumman and Al Vey, with a text by Marv Wolfman. She's flying into the sky. And she's sort of presenting her logo out. She's like, "Hey, I'm Starfire." Uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, every, you know, I mean, everybody loves Starfire, right? I mean, she's one of the more popular characters in the Teen Titans because she's beautiful to look at, also very positive. In the inset, we see her canoodling a little with uh, Nightwing. Uh, we see her posing because she's a former model. Maybe she a former model, or just a model. Um, uh, I think she's a model soul at this point. Okay, right. It says model. It says occupation: princess of Tamaran, model and adventurer. And then we see her uh, blasting one of the one of those aliens, the Scion. Not the side. The the, the the goons are not the Scion. Somebody who appeared in Omega Men, and then I don't care about. Them. Right there, right. you go. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a nice drawing. I mean, it's Tom Grummet. You know, I've, we're all both big fans of Tom Grummet. Were you baiting me by saying everyone likes Starfire? Was that what that was? Uh, no, I was. What, okay. really, do you not like Starfire? Well, if you'd listen to any episode where we've ever talked before, uh, I talk about how I, I, I don't like this character. Uh, I feel like there's absolutely no depth to the character. I feel like they created a vapid airhead cheesecake girl in the 80s, and it always bothered me, and she never did anything for me. Now, with that said, put a pencil in Tom Grummet's hand, and things change a bit, because this drawing is smoking hot. I'll give you that. I still don't care for the character very much, but the drawing is just damn sexy as hell. And it's super fun, too, because you're right. Like, cause she is doing the presenting, like, ta-da! So it, it's a great drawing. It's really exceptional. But the character does nothing for me. In fact, the first time that this character has ever held my attention through all the various media of Starfire is in the Titans uh, live-action TV show. That wow. version of Starfire is actually pretty interesting and is and I've engaged with, which may be why I'm being more charitable to this one. One thing that's a little bit odd is it's almost like uh, – Mark is it Mark Wade that wrote this or oh it's Mark Wolfman. Mark Wolfman oh that might that makes a little more sense Mark Wolfman was suffering from writer's block shortly after this it's almost like he had writer's block in the middle of the entry because like it's telling a story and then he just kind of stops it's like it almost stopped halfway in the middle of a sentence practically it's the entry just stops in a very weird way like he just didn't finish it um but anyway, so uh, Red Border, of course, for Heroes. Um, and then um, at this point, New Teen Titans was on issue 76, so we're into the Titans hunt pretty good there. Uh, I, th 
I don't think it, no, it hadn't resolved yet. So they're in the middle of Titan Town, I believe. And more on Starfire, of course, you can watch the Titans TV show. Again, I like that version quite a bit. And um, you mentioned the logo. I do love that logo. I'm pretty sure it was used on one of those Titan spotlight issues or something, maybe? I think it was in the, the miniseries, the tale of the uh, New Teen Titans miniseries, the mm-hmm. four issues where they spotlight, it was in their yes. mid-80s, where they spotlighted on each of the new characters got a, got an issue. Raven. I think you're right. And Cyborg and stuff. I think that's where they came up with logos for the first time. So. All right. Team Titans. Uh, next up is Changeling, drawn by Jared George Perez, of course, inked by Romeo Tango. Another, uh, ironically, you've got two shape-shifting characters, you know, right together. Yep, and here yep. you've got Changeling doing what he does best. He's got a cheetah, then he's a chimp, and then he's Changeling. And then we see uh, a nice little photo of him in the background back when he was Beast Boy with the Doom Patrol. And I love the way Perez insets that, like it's a photo that we're looking at. Like you'd see it in a photo. Uh, I think that's a nice yeah. little touch. I didn't notice that. That's That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and then you got a close-up of him with his little jammies on or his shirt with a little heart detail. So it's, it's a you know, it, it gives you a lot, an insight into his personality. Well, the heart thing's perfect because he's all about the romance. Right. All, and in fact, his marital status is desperate. <laughs> that's, that's somebody having a laugh. <laughs> Whoever but that. I mean, that's, that's totally him. I mean, if you read those yes. old new Teen Titans, he's always trying. It's all, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a hound. He's yes. always looking for a girl. Yeah. Now, it's kind of interesting. The little close-up picture of his face shows you that how much... Coloring his skin tone green defines the character. Yes, because his face just looks like nothing, and like unless it's green, it doesn't really work. Right. So. Team Titans. All right, up next. Ooh, here we go, folks. This is uh, <laughs> this tells you that, that they've got nothing but A-listers in this book. It's Jericho from the Teen Titans. Oh, the pain! One of my least favorite characters. Um, he has the banner of red for hero, which is completely a lie. And art here is by Tom Grummet and Al Vey, which is great. I mean, this is the art is fantastic. Tom Grummet, great artist. Yeah, if you got to have someone draw a, a dud entry, uh, this is the guy to do it. You know. So it's got the inc- overly complex costume that George Perez designed as like a prank on every other artist in the world. Uh, and then it's got – you see it, Rob? It's got surprint. Mm-hmm. It's got surprint of him as he's taking possession of somebody. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's all I get out of you. It's your only surprint you're probably going to see in this whole damn book. Anyway, so has he got long hair or is that a mullet? I'm, I'm kind of confused. That's long hair. A mullet is like specifically kind of like – I don't know. To me, that's not, that's not a mullet. He just has long hair. Okay, all right. Uh, his name is Joseph William Wilson. He is the son of Deathstroke. And uh, basically, uh, after Deathstroke was enhanced with all his powers and such, uh, him and his wife had a, a second son, which was Joseph, and he was born a mutant. And this international assassin kidnapped Joseph to get to Deathstroke, and one of his men slit Joseph's throat. Uh, and he survived, but he was a mute. It was really horrible. And then he ended up meeting the Titans during the Judas contract, and his power is to take control of other people's bodies. He disappears. That's what we're seeing the, the serpent image of. He disappears inside the body when he controls them, but apparently the person can still control their own talking. He doesn't control their talking. Um, and uh, and now if they're unconscious, he can control the talking. It gets a little complicated. Anyway, he's supposed to be this sort of peace, love, hippie kind of guy. He's into music and poetry and painting. Um, and uh, at this point, New Teen Titans was on issue number – or actually it was New Titans at this point. It was issue number 68. They are just like three months before the Titans hunt, which would change everything, including Jericho's position with the Teen Titans forever. So uh, he doesn't deserve that red logo. I'll just say that. Anyway, if you uh, – anything, uh, anything you want to add before I tell people where to find more? They should have done a Jericho dead man team up because they would have been each possessing somebody else. And then those two uh-huh. people would have gone on the adventure. 
That's clever. That's clever. Okay. okay. So uh, it, it's a dud of a character, but the art looks great. <laughs> it really, really does. If you want more on Jericho, you can check out the Pop Culture Affidavit blog, uh, which our buddy Tom Panarese runs. You can check out the Tighten Up the Defense podcast, or there is a Jericho fan club headed up by our buddy Philemon, who meets on a tree fort out on Fifth Avenue, if you want to check that out. So. Uh, up next, <laughs> I love you, Philemon. You know I do. I pick on you mercilessly, but I love you, bro. Teen Titans. Next entry is for Hawk. This is Hank Hall, folks, and he's got a red border for hero, of course. And art is by Greg Guler and Scott Hanna, who were the artists on, or at least Greg Guler was the artist on the Hawk and Dove series at this point. And this cover, or the, I keep calling him cover, the the image is really. I think a very Rob Liefeld inspired image because Rob Liefeld put Hawk and Dove on the map. You know, that forestry miniseries he drew, uh, it was early in Rob's career before he did New Mutants and it really exploded because no one was drawing like that at DC, you know, other than Tom McFarlane. And so really helped put Hawk and Dove on the map. And I feel like here they're still trying to sort of catch that Rob Liefeld oomph, if you will, if there is such a thing. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of the drawing here? Uh, I've been pretty complimentary to the listings so far. This is awful. <laughs> this is just awful. This does not look like a human. Uh, I don't know what this is. This is like a He-Man doll or something. I, I, if this is the if this is what the artwork was on the Hawk and Dove series, no wonder I didn't buy it. This is just, this is to me an eyesore. This is hideous. Sorry. You just backed up everything I said, so thank you. It looks like a Rob Liefeld inspired thing. Yeah. Inspired thing. Oh. The cape is flying up out of nowhere. The leg muscles are larger than twice the width of his head. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah this 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 is this doesn't look like a human being. This looks right. like some sort of irradiated monster. Yeah. So, and he was supposed to be larger than life, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. it, it, you know, oddly enough, it doesn't bother me though. It, from a '90s perspective, I totally get this drawing. So it's not well. It's not my favorite. Um, but I, I get it though, you know. I do I like mean, the way they I, do the cape and stuff like I, that. I, I mean, I do realize that, like, as Hawk, he's like enlarged because it mentions he's 181 pounds as Hawk, 320. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden, he like roids out. But it just, I don't like. How would Hawk even move? You feel like any villain could just walk over, just knock him over, and he'd be like a turtle. Like, wouldn't be able to get. <laughs> So, all right, getting into this, uh, the story here is written by Barbara Castle, who wrote the series, which is nice. And um, so, so the gist of it is there was Hawk and there was Dove. Hawk represented war and was the conservative perspective. Dove was peace and the liberal perspective. And uh, the, the point of the, of the comic, as it was created, was to show people that peace and uh, war can work together in balance is what they wanted to show. <laughs> and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And this this entry here is chock-a-block full of retcons of the Lords of Order and Chaos stuff. So uh, the gist of it is um, Hawk and Dove, though their fathers, it was it was Hank and his brother Don. Their their father was a Supreme Court or Superior Court judge, and there was this assassination attempt. And the boys were there, and they were sort of trapped, and they were wishing for powers if they could go help their dad. Whammo! Suddenly they became Hawk and Dove, and uh, they they end up eventually joining the Teen Titans. The brother Don died during the crisis, and the power of Dove was transferred to Don Granger, who's Hermione's aunt. And then Hawk was at this point he was kind of out of control because he didn't have a dove uh, without the balance of doves. So her, uh, Dawn Granger becomes dove. They become a new team. Uh, then they found out this whole connection with the Lords of Order and Chaos. Kind of crazy. Uh, Hawk's powers are super strength. He's fast. He's invulnerable. He's always on the offensive. He's very easy to enrage. At this point, they were on issue 15 of their ongoing series, and they were heading like a freight train, though nobody knew it at the time. They were heading like a freight train for Armageddon 2001. So. Um, 
And if you want more on Hawk and Dove, you should check out the forthcoming Head Speaks podcast about Armageddon 2001. Sorry, spoilers. And also, I appeared on an episode of Batman to Oracle where Stella and I talked about Hawk and Dove for a, a couple of – either one episode or two talking about the Velvet Tiger. So you should also mention Hawk and Dove is coming to live action. Oh, that's right. They totally are. Good point. Played yeah. Hawk is played by the guy that played Aquaman on Smallville. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's oh, oh yeah. That's right. That's right. It's AC, right? Yo, what yeah, is he? the AC Aquaman. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The Aquabro. All right, that'll be fun. Teen Titans. Uh, next up is Dove. This is the new Dove, Dove Two. Uh, Dawn Marie Granger, who first appeared in Hawk and Dove, the miniseries from 1988, drawn by um, Greg Guler. And mm-hmm. Carl Kiesel. I don't know who Greg Guler is. Did he? Uh, he drew. He drew the Hawk and Dove series. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe a... not all of it, but a, a large chunk of it. Okay. So he said this is the new version, the one with the sort of different power, like the actual superpowers, as opposed. Well, the other Dove had superpowers too, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, but this is definitely more of the kind of like a magical one. And it shows on the inside her with her parents, and it shows her with Hawk, and then her sort of in their mid transforming, transforming. And it talks about Dove as greater than average strength and dexterity, faster than humans. I I just really am mostly completely unfamiliar with this character, other than the fact that oh. they killed the other dove off in Crisis, of course. Right. And you needed well, to have a dove because of the you know balance of uh, you know the Lords of Chaos and stuff like that. And you always have to have a hawk and a dove. Well, the, if you look at it, that you know Ditko created Hawk and Dove, if I remember correctly, and it was kind of a statement on one guy represented war and one guy represented peace. And it just didn't make a lot of, you know, it didn't didn't take. It wasn't very popular. They tried. They put them in the Titans West. It just didn't work. So I guess it was Barbara and Carl that made the decision uh, to to change it. I don't know who made this decision, but when it came time to figure out how to make these characters work, it sort of made sense if they're going to have opposites to have one as a male, one as a female. There's a logical choice to be had there. And she really was a great character. She really, really was. And there's a lot of that series that I enjoy. I think they got a little too deep into the Lords of Order mythos stuff when they started developing other looks and other personality, like powers and stuff like that. They should have, I think, just focused on their whole, you know, aggressive and passive sort of sides. Um, but something else very worthwhile to mention here: Dove, TV star, also. That's right. Uh, on Titans, she's played by the insanely hot Minka Kelly. And uh, the crazy thing is, her costume is like one of the most screen accurate costumes I've ever seen. It, it looks so much like the comic. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, it's just shocking, especially since this is such a comic booky looking costume. You know, this is to, to mimic that is unbelievable. And of course, the, Hall, Hawk is played by Aquaman himself, Alan Richson. Right, I know. Uh, I, I like them on the Titans quite a bit. Now they are different there. They don't do the whole Lords of Order and Chaos thing. Um, and she was a TV on the TV version. She was a ballerina. That's where a lot of her skill came from. Now the one thing they do skip on the TV show, which I wish they kind of found a way to do, was uh, Dove in the comics was always a pacifist, or at least she fought defensively. So she'd use like a lot of aikido. Like when someone would come at her, she'd use their own motion against them. Uh, so it was more of a a pacifist way of fighting, if that makes sense, using someone's own energy against them. Uh, whereas in the, in the TV show, she's just keep beating the crap out of people, breaking bones, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, that's not pacifist. What? <laughs> so that, that's one bit of a miss on the show. So you've got uh, written by, uh, of course, Barbara and Carl Kiesel, which wrote the t- which wrote the comic. Um, her first appearance, you know, you mentioned Dove dying. The interesting, they talk about in here how she gained the power of Dove, and the power was transferred to him 
before the brother died. So basically, in crisis, he's fighting, right? And they transfer the power to her. So suddenly, he's trying to save people, and he has no powers left. That's what got him killed. Was the powers moved to her, which is kind of a horrible thing, uh, you know, survivor's guilt for her to carry around there. So that's anyway. that's retrofitting. That didn't happen in the absolutely book. correct. Yes, you're absolutely yeah. Because uh, Crisis, of course, is eighty five, and this didn't come along until eighty eight. So right. that was definitely retrofitting. Yeah, Dove just gets it by one of the shadow demons. That's it. Oh, was it okay? Yeah, I couldn't. I thought a building fell on him or something. No, no, no. The, one of the shadow one of the shadow demons like zips right through him, and they're like, "Oh no, Dove!" And it's like nobody really cared. <laughs> Sort of like when Aqua Girl died. <gasps> oh, and that's just rotten. That's just but not wrong. But not wrong. All right. All right. So Hawk and Dove number 20 was on the shelves at this point. So again, check out the Titans TV show where she appears there. Again, very different, folks. It's very dark. Don't watch it with the kids. But uh, again, Minka Kelly, it makes the whole thing worth it. Team Titans. First entry is Flame Bird with art by George Perez. Folks, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's George Perez in his prime, so you know it's going to be gorgeous doing Teen Titans characters. But this one, he just went above and beyond. She is a beautiful, beautiful young woman wearing a red and yellow costume with a sort of flame motif going on in the cape. The cape looks like it's been burned all on the edges with a bright yellow cape. She's beautiful and blonde and buxom and sexy and hot. And I know I'm saying all these things, folks, and I'm probably offending people. However, in the entry itself, it repeatedly describes her as beautiful. And it says, uh, let's see, when Betty Kane, that's her name, enters the tennis court and stands, uh, the stands always echo with wolf whistles, cheers, and other expressions of admiration. Blonde, blue-eyed, and beautiful. So... There you go. Not did my you, fault. Did you write this entry? <laughs> no, the word hot is not in here. Okay. Uh, so you know that's not me. So, interesting character. So, do you know the, the real history behind this character, Rob? Well, Nightwing and... There's part of Nightwing and Flamebird, the, the superhero characters from the Bottle City of Candor. Correct. That, that is where this name came from, was uh, as Dick Grayson became Nightwing... And, and, well, let me step up, step back a step. This is Betty Kane, who in pre-crisis history was the original Batgirl, Bat-Girl. And she wasn't around a tremendous amount of time, but ultimately she was kind of considered the Earth-2 Batgirl, if I remember correctly. Right, she had the red and green costume. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, when you get past crisis, you can't have that Batgirl around. You've got to get rid of her. So they decided, wouldn't it be fun to keep the girl still around and give her a name uh, because Batgirl was romantically linked with Robin, just to at least attempted or whatever. There was there was some stuff there, so they thought, wouldn't it be fun to link her with Nightwing by just as Rob suggested the Candor name of uh, Flamebird and put those two names together? And actually, it works really, really well. I, it was very clever whoever came up with that idea. So um, now, just by the way, in my own defense, and, and I heard the guys talking about this on that Teen Titans episode, it, her being drawn really hot. She's out of high school here, folks, so she's she's older than eighteen. But they made a great point that DC never shied away from sexualizing their Teen Titan characters. If you think back to Wonder Girl, when she was even when she was just young and, and Nick Carty was drawing her, when she changed costumes, probably still 16 or something, they were drawing them way further advanced than they should have been. And that's an interesting thing, considering how, um, how, how conservative DC usually is with stuff like that, that they would draw their teen characters that way. Food for thought. Anyway, so let's see. So Flamebird. Uh, Betty Kane was a, check this out, she was a pro tennis player, she was an aerobics instructor, she was a beauty pageant winner, an Olympic gymnast, and a swimmer. Now this is all the post-crisis origin, by the way. So she was incredibly accomplished, she was gorgeous, the world was her oyster. So by the time she was about 16, she was kind of bored. There was no, she didn't feel there were any challenges left in life. Oh, wah. 
I know. Such a hard life. So, but, so where did she find her next challenge in? She decided to sink her hooks into Robin, the boy wonder. She thought she would want, she, a good challenge would be to try to win his heart. So that's where the flame bird costume comes in. You know, Robin's a bird, flame bird. She, she designed it with reds and yellows, sort of like his. So she sort of tried to come up with a female compliment to him to go out there and be a hero and get his attention. Well, she didn't really have any luck. He, he didn't really notice her. So after high school, she, um, she, so she, put the, she put the costume away, continued her activities of being apparently perfect at everything. Then after high school, she resumed being Flamebird again. She did get to meet Robin, but there weren't any sparks. Nothing happened. So she sort of became what you would call a fangirl of Robin. And it became a running gag throughout a few stories where she was always you know, hung up on him. She eventually became a founding member of the Titans West. Uh, and... Uh, that's really kind of all of her history. She's out there doing stuff nowadays. So at the point, this drawing, Chris Franklin, when he was on the Super, um, sorry, Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast, when he was on the Secret Origins episode, he made note, and I didn't catch it till now, but that this drawing is supposed to look like Elizabeth's shoe from Adventures in Babysitting. I and think Chris, I can see that. Yeah, and Chris says he's an expert because he has a crush on Elizabeth's shoe. And to be frank, who, who didn't have a crush on Elizabeth's shoe in the 80s? I mean, come on, it's beautiful. So... Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, geez, I, I can imagine DC was like, George, you sure you want to do this? You know, like this kind of zero character. And it, no, he's like, no, 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 I want to do it. I mean, it looks terrific. It's George Perez doing a Teen Titans character. The, the entry is great. All her, I mean, the, the different action poses she's got and the, the tennis thing and then the karate and then the fashion model. Those remind like, I feel like they're like you see on the side of like a Barbie doll. Yeah, you know, where it's like all the different, you know, your doll can do the buy tennis flame bird, buy karate flame bird. It's the whole <laughs> flame bird line of toys. So it's a great listing. I mean, this character to me is pretty much a zero, but Perez gives it such life, you know, that you can't help but look at it and go, boy, this is really, really well done. Especially again when you can, you know, look at the rest of them. Like he really, he really brought some excitement to a bunch of morts. To be honest with you. <laughs> Well, be, being her history as Batgirl, I feel like she's a little more important than that. Uh, and and they, they, she, she did become kind of a one-note character, where it was pretty much her just fangirling over Robin. But I always liked her. Maybe it was because the, the other, the loose-leaf who's who entry of her that you'll see in a few months or years or whatever uh, is done by Kevin McGuire. It's also another gorgeous piece, and she's just sexy as hell in that one, too. So uh, for some reason, this character, and, and maybe it's also the Nightwing and Flamebird. I love the idea they brought the Candor names back. For some reason, this character speaks to me a lot more than the Batgirl identity of her ever did. So I like it. Now, another reason Perez would have drawn these was because the annual these were published in, he wrote that thing. And it was basically a love letter to Titan's history. And if you listen to the Secret Origins episode, you'll hear the guys just go through it. And it's, wow, it's a lot. It, Perez really crammed a lot in there. So him drawing the entries in the back sort of makes sense. Teen Titans! Next up is the new, well, not the new, the Teen Titans, because this is covering all the Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. uh, drawn by George Perez. What can you say about it? It's the Teen Titans, drawn by George Perez. <laughs> <laughs> You can say that. You could. I mean, it's, it's well. What? I mean, I'm just saying it's great. No, it's just funny the way you said it. Well, That's I mean, what 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 is there left for me to compliment about George Perez drawing his signature characters? It's got everybody, even the characters that he traditionally did not draw, like Bumblebee and Mal, Lilith. They're all coming out at the uh, at the camera. They're flying out. There, there's uh, some nice symmetry. Perez was big to that, big into that. On the left hand side, you've got Tula. A.K.A. Aqua Girl, and then you've got on the right, you've got Garth, Aqua Lad, both in the same position, flying out. Um, it's it's 
it's great. It's just great. It, it, the history is. I mean, there's a lot to cover. Uh, I think this is particularly well written, except for the end because it gets into the whole thing with Brother Blood again. Like they were really hitting on the whole. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the re- but the, visually, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it's as you said, George Perez signature characters is absolutely wonderful. I, I also noticed the currently thing. I'm sort of torn on it, like. It makes the entry not timeless when he does stuff like that, and it always seems to be Marv Wolfman that's doing it. But at the same side, it's probably helping to sell the comics at the time. So I kind of, like, forgive him for it, mm-hmm. you know? So um, this, is, this jumps out at me, you know, no Golden Eagle, no Harlequin. I don't know why Golden Eagle had to be removed from continuity. I don't know why he had to go. Well, because I mean, I, I, well, cause he was involved with, like, they said later that he had nth metal. That stuff was nth metal. And I think Tony Isabella said, no, he does not. So I think they just wiped him out entirely. I mean, that they couldn't have come up with something else. But um, I, think that was, I think that was probably why. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a representative of DC Comics, Shag. You don't have to get upset. No, no, I'm just saying I think that's what it was. It's the Tony Isabella talk. Just gets on my nerves. Anyway. Uh, the Tony so Isabella talk? Well, he gets. We really, do that every month. No, not, that's not. No, he just. I've read too many too many rants online from him, and they just gets under my skin. So I understand that. Um, <laughs> You're so not the it, only it, one. It's interesting. They they. This is not the new Teen Titans. This is the Teen, Teen Titans. Titans. Right. They took the time to make that, which is nice. Um, you know, since you know, I'm a total perv. So, which one's hottest? Who's the hottest Teen Titan here in the drawing? You're asking me. Uh, well, I gotta go with my predilection, so I'm gonna say Lilith. Some bitch. That's what I came up with, too. Ah. <laughs> like, looking at it, the way all of these are drawn, she just stands out above, and, and maybe it's just because she's rocking the pleated miniskirt and the boots and, and the red hair, which is, like, totally hot, but she's, like, the one I was like, man, oof, I'm, uh, my attention's drawn to that, so. The entry reads very nice. I mean, it's, it's really well done. It, because th- there's so much history with the Teen Titans, you know? There's so many iterations. They've gone through so many incarnations. They could have really got caught up in a either just glossing over certain things or not giving it something enough notice or going blow by blow. It's the perfect mix. Uh, Wolfman did a really nice job laying out the history and keeping it flowing as a nice red piece. I was very pleased with it. Overall, it, it is the kapow moment of the issue, and uh, it works. Yeah, and Raven's smiling. Is she? And then her little headshot, she's smiling. Ah, look at that. Oh, my gosh. She's got some teeth going. <laughs> All right. All right. Very good. Teen Titans. We should go to the next one. It is Blackfire uh, by Art Adams. And if the last one had any, you know, some criticisms we had about that one, this one is just knocks it out of the freaking park, dude. This one is just stunning all the way around. The coloring's perfect. The line works perfect. The logo's a bit brilliant. Now, every Art Adams piece, I don't think we've had a miss by Art Adams in this thing. But if, if you don't remember Blackfire, guys, she is the sister of Starfire from the New Teen Titans, from Tamaran. So she is standing there. Uh, she's got her leg propped up on, on her own logo. And she's got, you know, of course, she's hot and sexy. So she's got really long, sexy voluptuous legs. She's got giant heels, and she is blasting just above the camera, and she's got this sort of malicious smile on her face, and uh, she's got the overly complex George Perez costume that very few people can handle, but our Adam's can. In the background, you see there's a statue of Starfire, because, you know, she's a princess of Tamaran, and Starfire's head has been blown off, which I love. And then in the background, you've got, like, some tech and stuff, and you got you see some cool planets, and it's just, it is a beautiful, beautiful piece. I, I'm in love with this. Oh, and the logo. The logo is actually her name, Blackfire, made out of, carved out of stone. 
own. So I love this. Yeah, no, I love this piece. Uh, it's typical uh, Art Adams anatomy. Adam it makes, makes no, no sense. sense. Um, but it's fantastic. It was just, it's sexy and gorgeous and it's proportions that no human could possibly have. That is but true. it doesn't matter because it looks fantastic. And it, it's funny. Um, it, it, what makes me wonder about these, these listings about what did the artist choose to work in the logo or not? I, because I love that Art Adams has worked the logo into this piece. And I wonder, was that the choice of any individual artist? Were they given that choice or did they, some of them say, no, no. I don't want to do it or whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I, this is a beautiful piece. And I, you already mentioned Starfire's uh, head blown off on the statue. That's a great touch. Now, I, I, I got to think, at least with Art Adams, it was his choice. Because remember, he did that New Gods one, uh, or maybe it was Calabac or whatever. But it was uh, – like the logo was carved like a wood totem, remember? Right, right. That, I mean, that, so this is not his first time putting amazing uh, logos in there. But, I mean, if somebody knows how to work at Who's Who's page, it was Art Adams. This is beautiful. And, yeah, I, you're right. The anatomy's all screwed up. And he is part of the inspiration which drove the crazy anatomy and image. I mean, he's part of yeah. the problem, guys, because he was so good. But he's able to pull it off. So Yeah. She's, she's six two, one hundred 140 pounds. <laughs> that's, that's pretty well, thin, everybody. Well, the way Art Adams draws her, she is that thin. Yeah, no, it's completely, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 that, 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 that height and weight makes sense when you look at the drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so it does have the creative by credit of George Perez and Marv Wolfman. And, uh, so it, it, it's actually, it's written, it, this one's written by Marv Wolfman by the, the way too. It's very, very compelling. It makes for a good read. Like I mentioned this on the cyborg entry a while ago. Like that was the best cyborg entry I've ever read. This Blackfire entry is, I mean, it, it's still very, a little convoluted with history, but it makes for a pretty good read. Not all, not these things don't always. So I was very enjoy, I enjoyed that. And, um, it makes her really sound kind of like a fair ruler. I mean, there are bits in there about how she hates her sister, but she makes it sound like she's a, you know, Tamaran is, uh, in, in a better place with her. So it talks about how her and Starfire are sisters, it talks about how the Citadel took over their planet and they go off to train and she's in charge of the planet now and all that kind of stuff. I don't need to go over all of her history. But, you know, it's interesting. Again, here's another example of a character, Rob. She's a TV star now. She's been in Titans. So this character, you know, it's just wild how far these characters have come. So now her border is black. I mentioned that Arkham Asylum's border was green for geography. I'm pretty sure every other border in this entire book is is black for villain, uh, other than maybe the Batcave. So I don't I don't need to say the border anymore after this point. Uh, her first appearance is the New Teen Titans, the first series, number 23, from September 1982. And uh, let's see what else. Um, at this point, New Teen Titans, or actually, it was, at this point, it was the New Titans, and this same month they had released annual number seven which was an armageddon 2001 crossover so i know you love that rob but the interesting thing was that was an important annual because in that issue they introduced the quote new teen titans there was a whole new batch of teen titans which dc then immediately had to slam the brakes on i guess for legal reasons and they couldn't call them the teen titans much beyond this annual that was published and had to change the name to the team Titans, T-E-A-M, Titans. So we'll talk more about that next issue because they actually are featured in the Who's Who. So, again, love this Blackfire entry. Super win. For more on her, you could, you know, again, watch her on TV. Team Titans! Next up is Brother Blood by George Perez. And uh, it's a really nice shot of Brother Blood. If you've never seen the character, Perez really did an interesting design where he's sort of like it's almost like there's a, a a snake or something eating his head. It's, it, the way the costume design is, it's a white design. You got fangs coming down across his forehead. His eyes are completely in black. It's a really striking design using red, black, and white. It's a combination you don't see that often 
and uh, it's really done well here. In the background, you've got you know uh, him without his mask. You've got I think that's a there's a nun. There's him zapping some stuff and a, a smoldering cauldron. It's just a really cool shot of Brother Blood. This is an era of New Teen Titans I haven't actually read. I've got I own all the New Teen Titans that Perez did. I've never actually I haven't finished reading all of them. So this is a character I, I'm yet to really learn a lot about, other than you know his much later appearances I read when I was reading New Teen Titans. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to say about Brother Blood. You have nothing to say. Okay. Uh, there it is. Brother Blood. As, as a member of the Church of the Blood, I am not allowed to say anything about it. Right. First rule of the Church of the Blood. Don't talk about the Church of the Blood. So, but it's, it's a gorgeous George Perez drawing. I think this, it's probably the only Perez drawing <clears throat> until the next page. <laughs> it's the only George Perez drawing in this book until the very next page. Teen Titans! Next is another Teen Titans one. Cheshire, drawn by George Perez. Again, a Romeo Tangle. Again, not a lot to say about her at the time. They later made her a bigger, big, big part of the DC Universe where she had a baby with uh, Speedy. Well, um, they mention it here. It's interesting. They mention it, but they say she's pregnant with somebody's from the Teen Titans, right? Kid. A child that he knows nothing about, right? So they didn't. But, yeah, they were layering it in, but they didn't know. But they won't even tell us who the Titan was at right. this point. <laughs> like that's wow. I mean, yeah, obviously it was Roy. For those of you who don't know, yes. sorry, spoiler. Great, great, um, uh, a great action pose. I love the silhouette of her jumping off the roof. That's mm-hmm. really nice. Really, really nice. Let me ask you a quick question as an artist. She has, you know, uh, a sexy top sort of thing and a skirt, and this is. I'm just going to say, this is an upshot uh, of her, yes. and you're seeing up her skirt. You yes. can see her, uh, her underwear. Like, as an artist, like, when do you decide an upskirt shot is appropriate? Like, every once in a while you get a, one, a Supergirl shot where you're seeing upper skirt, and it's like, what's the motivation for drawing that just to answer somebody's question, whether yeah, she's wearing underwear or not? I guess, I, you're just, I guess you're just, you know, this is someone who runs and jumps around a lot, and so if she's going to wear a flounced skirt, it, you know, it has to sort of be flapping in the breeze a little bit. So, you, you know, I mean, Perez does his best to kind of keep it somewhat in place. It's modest. Yeah, it's modest. But yet at the same time, you know, I mean, her hair is flouncing around, bouncing around, too. Yeah. So it, you know, really get that sense of movement. I just always wondered about that. Yes. Like, at what point does an artist decide, you know what, I'm going to show a little this time. <laughs> I guess it depends so. on how pervy you're feeling at any given right. time when you're drawing it. Teen Titans! Uh, next up, Trigon the Terrible. Uh, drawn by George Perez, is a beautifully drawn piece uh, dedicated to the most boring dimensional conqueror ever. Uh, in fact, I tried reading it, and I got bored and almost fell asleep. He's a demon. He fights the Teen Titans a lot. He's really important in their mythos, but I can't stand him. He is so boring. So very boring. And uh, new, the New Teen Titans made a huge miss when they first introduced Trigon and in their series and like they kept building to it and building to it and finally he appears in issue six and it, that issue was drawn by Kurt Swan. So, Ooh, yeah, I know. <laughs> like we're gonna have George Perez draw and then we're gonna have Kurt Swan come in and do the payoff. What? Oh, yeah, oh. exactly. Oh. So um, it's you know Trigon is a big red demon who wears whites, which I've never quite understood. But anyway. he's Raven's father. He's Raven's father. He's got four eyes and antlers. I mean, he's pretty cool. I mean, when you got to do a demon from hell, he's a pretty cool one. Look at the one. But his story—he's got a big skull cod piece. He like killed some people and wiped out a dimension, and he's like evil. And yeah, I'm done. I, the drawing's amazing. The drawing yeah. is gorgeous. But yeah, I, I 
you know, look, no knock against the new Teen Titans, but like when they, if they set Trigon up to be this, uh, you know, like basically like a demonic version of Darkseid and he can't defeat the Teen Titans, it makes him look like a puss because I mean, the, Teen <laughs> Titan, the Teen Titans just weren't that powerful. They weren't. I mean, outside of Raven, they really didn't have like a whole lot of like really mystical power. And so it's like Trigon can't defeat a bunch of kids. He's really not that big a deal then. You know, it sort of just made him look kind of weak in comparison. Being what he is, he should have been a crisis level bad guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But he's just, he's a chump. Defeated by Changeling? Really? It's just, it's it's so, so boring to me. So now. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a letter from Philemon about how amazing Trigon is. So bring it on, buddy. He's cool looking, though. Super cool. Look that. He does look pretty badass. Team Titans. Next page. Moving on. Another team entry. Uh, we get the Fearsome Five, which I always thought <laughs> which, was a little. Which features seven people. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder when they created the Fearsome Five if it was like intentionally supposed to be like the modern day version of the fatal five or something. Cause you know, the, the fatal five take place in the 30th century. The fearsome five take place in the 20th century. It was always like, eh, the names are a little too, uh, till too, too similar. I think it's just the alliteration is too hard to piss up. True. Well, Sin- been you know, f- sinister six, you know, that kind of thing. Could have been the fearsome four then. I don't know. Anyway. Sure. So you get a beautiful drawing by George Perez here. And this features characters of Dr. Light, Gizmo, Jinx, Mammoth, Neutron, Simon, and Shimmer. Now, the Fearsome Five are New Teen Titans villains, and they were organized by Dr. Light, who was continually fired as the leader of the team. <laughs> by the, you know, they were all so nasty to each other, they would just um, you know, usurp each other's power all the time and, and take over. So, I like how this entry, though, has sort of like the entry has itself has a bit of sense of fun. Like it talks about, there's like an a, an irregularly irregularly published newspaper featuring letters, articles, and how-to tips by and for the super criminal element in the continental United States, which is a great called, idea. Called the Underworld Star. So it just <laughs> that cracked me up. The comics page is horrible, though. I tell you, it's just trash. Anyway, and then later on, they call Doctor Light a sanitation engineer. So I just—it's nice that like the text actually has a bit of a sense of humor about it. The dumping on him began around this point. Yeah, I mean, he—he he, this was this was the end of Doctor Light being taken seriously. That's for sure. Until later. And, and on. lucky, of course, he never appeared again. So right. <laughs> for those of you who don't know. Rob has this weird blind spot for Identity Crisis Forward. It's not a blind spot. A blind spot indicates I don't see it. I do see it. I pretend it doesn't exist. That's <laughs> different. That's like me for years. I'd go around going, what do you mean there was a third Superman movie? What are you talking right. about? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, now, one of the things I want to point out in the art, I mean, obviously, it's George Perez, guys. So, I mean, you know it's just gorgeous artwork. But I, particularly what stands out to me is the character of Jinx. She is really interesting looking. Um, her her background is I'm vamping till I can find it. <laughs> can't can't find it fast enough. Okay, moving on. Oh, East Indian sorceress. There we go. Um, but the inking around her, you know, it's very thick lines around her, more so than anyone else. And I just think it just makes her really stand out. She looks like a really cool character. Does she get her own listing? I forget. It doesn't say, oh yeah, it does. It says C. Jinx. So, okay, assume, yeah, it's, you know, in theory she does. Now, Neutron? Now, it does say for a brief time, they also included Neutron. I don't remember that at all. And, and he's clearly, you know, an Iron Man character with a diving helmet. I mean, that's what he looks like. 
He's even got the, you know, maybe because Perez came off of Avengers or something, is why, but he's got Iron Man's boots and Iron Man's gloves. Yeah, he and does. Got, yeah. And he's got the red and yellow color scheme, too. Well, that's so orange and yellow, but yeah, it's close. Well, in mine, it looks, uh, I guess it's orange. In my, see, you're looking at a digital answer. See, yeah. mine, it, it's, yeah, I guess because if you compare it to Shimmer's, Shimmer's hair. Shimmer's hair. Shimmer's hair is red. She yeah. looks like Mrs. Kerbopel over there, or the woman who played Mrs. Kerbopel in The Simpsons. I don't really remember Shimmer that well either. I guess I need to re. I need well. I need to finish reading my New Teen Titans. I never finished reading she all. She and them. Mammoth are brother and sister, which is why they're sitting so chummy with with one another. Right, I am, and I remember them. I remember them being kind of creepy. I guess and the more I think about, it, I remember. But like Mammoth always sticks out in my mind because he hung around longer than her. So, and uh, Simon was just always a really cool character. Just. You know, kind of a creepy, kind of a jerk. You know, very, very arrogant and intelligent. The second page in a row featuring a character with an exposed brain. (laughs) Which, which, you remember from the crisis, really came back to bite Simon in the ass when he tried to take over the villains. So it did, didn't it? So somebody um start making tally marks for that, would you? So yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, how many different exposed brain characters are we going to see in Who's Who? Exactly. So, first and five, uh, great entry. Uh, really happy to see George Perez again in the pages of Who's Who. He belongs here. Teen Titans! Great entry. Absolutely love this. Can't say enough things. And what a great two-facing page and it's set here, guys. On the left-hand side, you got Hippolyta. On the right-hand side, you got Hive by... George Perez. Woo! Now, this is one hell of a complex drawing because we see the leader of the Hive... And then all her little be behooded uh, minions down there, standing in front of their their uh, their their little consoles, and then we see the little hive window of their their effort, and then there's all this stuff in the background, which we, you know it, it's weird because it's like it, it's I think the image is supposed to vaguely suggest that it's all happening in the same place because the hives uh, under underground the hives base was underwater, um, so like you see these guys in their little swim swimming outfits. In the background, and so you could say that those guys are literally there within the context of this picture, or you could just say that they're background elements and they're not meant to be literally there. So it kind of works on both both ways. I read it as sort of computer screens. Okay, because like you're like seeing three different images. You're seeing that's the guy true. swimming. Yeah, that's true. Then on the left, you're seeing the guy standing on land, and then beneath them, it looks like the underwater base. I think. Right. Now, interesting, that, you know, I just noticed the correlations between these two doubles-page spreads. You've got two beautiful women sort of in a commanding position. Both cases, they're using the right hand to hold something up, and Hippolyta, it's a rose. In uh, the hive leader, it's a dove, apparently, because she's a piece, I suppose. Both of them have sort of long, flowing dresses that still look very sexy. And Hippolyta's holding a rose, whereas the hive lady is standing amongst a bunch of roses. So, kind of interesting. Very it's nice. almost... Almost coordinated. Now, what I understand are the high scientists, if they're all standing at their computer terminals, how are they getting work done with their hands and their sleeves? <laughs> uh, maybe they're rebooting the system for the moment, so everybody's taking a break. I love the acronym HIVE, Hierarchy of International Vengeance and Extermination. <laughs> Superb. Great stuff. We said, and drawn, drawn and penciled and inked by George Perez. So this is yeah. obviously, again, another labor of love because he was super busy. They didn't let him ink a lot of his own stuff because they just wanted to keep cranking out the pencil. So this feels like uh, you know he really wanted to do this one because even though they first appeared in Superman Family, they became basically Teen Titans villains and stayed that way. You know, I'm interested about their history. I don't know a lot about them, but according to this, they were form- it, the group was originally formed by seven criminal scientists that had been beaten up by superheroes. <laughs> And what I wonder 
is if that was actually like legitimately they went and picked out this guy and this guy and this guy and that had been beaten by some sort of superhero and formed them like a you know a damn Yankees or traveling Wilbury supergroup. <laughs> Or whether they just said, "Oh yeah, these are seven guys that got beat up." You know, I wa- I'd, I'd really want to know that, and you know, I bet you Siskoi can tell us. So I, I never knew. would have thought, for all the money in the world, that we could have worked in a reference to the Traveling Wilburys in the Who's Who podcast. But but you did well done. You're welcome. I figured you'd appreciate. I loved that. it. I, I started with Damn Yankees just to throw you. <laughs> that was good stuff. Teen Titans. Next up is the Terminator. Uh, who is more famously known as Deathstroke because the Terminator. the Terminator is a bit copyrighted there. Drawn by George Perez, uh, one of the great sort of villain uh, villains created of the 1980s. We see him kicking the living crap out of the Teen Titans. He's really doing a number on Robin and Wonder Girl. Then there's a close-up of Jericho and his wife and then him without his mask with a nice little sniffer of brandy there. Um, he is tricked out like all get out. He's got like he's got the bandolier, he's got a bow staff, he's got a machine gun, he's got grenades, he's got a dagger. He just super the, one of the great like villain designs as well. Not only is he a great character, he's a great villain design. And DC has gotten a ton of mileage out of him because he is essentially the big bad on Arrow. That's true. That's true. Now, it is, it's interesting that there's so much text that Perez's artwork actually gets sort of jammed in the corner. It does, yeah. Which is a little sad because uh, I would have liked to have seen it bigger because it is a nice piece. Um, but the pose is a little boring. Mm-hmm. For such a dramatic fighter, it's just him you know, standing a bit of sideways with a gun. So the pose could have been a little more exciting, but everything else looks great. I, the history is written really, really, really exceptionally well. Like, I really enjoyed reading the history in this. And I had forgotten so much of it. I completely forgot that it's his wife that put his eye out. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And uh, I do like in the, che- in the uh, Serpent, you get a little bit of Donna Troy cheesecake. So, mm-hmm. so it's definitely a win. Yeah, I also like the fact that it said the Serpent is in red, but the bullet holes are part of, are in black ink. Ah, that's a nice little, nice little yeah. detail. So he, and, I, and I am curious why he ended up here instead of Deathstroke. It doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't. Because now that they have to call him Deathstroke, because, of course, the Terminator thing. It mentions that he uses 90% of his brain capacity, just like Scarlett Johansson and Lucy. So, And that's not the last time we're going to hear that phrase in this uh, No, in this, in this, po- in this po- episode. Episode, podcast, whatever you want to call it. Team Titans! Next up is Terra, which is amazing that these two characters that have a common intertwined history are next to get next to each other in uh, Who's Who. Again, drawn by George Perez. This was one of the great, one of the great storylines of the Teen Titans. I thought, um, in that she was joined as a you know joined as a new member and eventually was re- revealed to be a traitor. And it it went on for a while, but not too long. I mean, it was drawn out just enough to make it powerful. Um, is it's. It was great. It was great. And she is she was Tina Markov. She is sister to Brian Markov, who was Geoforce over in the Batman and the Outsiders book. She first appeared in Teen Titans number twenty six and uh it mentions like her relationship with Changeling and that he was the one that found her dead body after she died at the end of the storyline. Spoiler alert. Uh, and there is a giant close up of her looking kind of like a slatter in a bit with smoking a cigarette with kind of a somewhat sort of evil-looking smile, so you know there's there's something wrong here. Well, that's like that's the famous scene, though, of her basically in lingerie smoking a cigarette with, like, lipstick on, basically coming out of bed with Destro, because right. she screwed him. Right. And it's very disturbing because she's 
she, her body makes her look like a very young teenager. Right. And so the idea that she had sex with Slate was even creepier. If, in fact, it was validated, it may not have been. I don't know. But the entry goes on to describe she's a bitter and insane young girl. So, crazy. Um, it's, it's a nice entry, obviously. I mean, Perez, again, knocking it out of the park. And, um, you know, it, it just reinforces how good the, the Judas contract is. You yeah. guys really need to read it if you haven't read it. Yeah, it's a great, great storyline. Teen Titans! Next up is Titans Tower. Makes sense. Drawn by Arn. Yeah, it is. Drawn by Arn Star. They had a really cool headquarters. And I, I know that um, toy lines were not driven by comic book series. Obviously, they were drawn by cartoons. But it's sort of amazing to me that considering how popular the Teen Titans were, that there was never a toy line. Yeah. And I mean, how they didn't end up. an awesome playset. How they didn't end up on the Superpowers line is still yeah. just or, or with their own show. I mean, Teenage Superheroes? That's like, my God. The. the, the they did the kids' power hour with Shazam. You couldn't try the Teen Titans? Well, I mean, they, they wanted to. There was a lot of talk of it back then. And then, of course, you know, it happened in the 2000s. So. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 they're a big hit now. But I'm just, I'm just, it seems amazing to me that that, that didn't hit. And uh, like I said, this would have been a really cool place. A giant T with all the characters running around it. That would have been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Is that still a thing so, in, like, the current Teen Titans? Is, like, they still have Titans Tower? Um, I'm not reading the new 52 stuff, but I will tell you, shortly before New 52, when it was the Jeff John series, they had the Teen Titans Tower cool. in San Francisco, which was nice. Neat. You know, I didn't read the Teen Titans book when it was coming out, but even me reading this entry, like, the little kid in me started cheering. Like, I could feel the excitement that would come from seeing this entry as a kid who was a fan of the Teen Titans, which is t- utterly bizarre, because I didn't read it until I was older. But it's just like, wow, this is so cool! Teen Titans! All right, that what, what a crazy walk down memory lane. <laughs> I don't remember saying half of that stuff. <laughs> is that even me? Some of the, I guess it is, but I don't know. <laughs> you were drunk through most of the early 2000s. So, um, so it, here's the thing. When we made the list, we made a list of a bunch of Teen Titans. I really tried to focus on the characters that appear in the show. I mean, that was really one of the big, big focuses. Of who's in the show? Okay, totally, admittedly, I slipped in uh, Flame Bird. I just couldn't resist. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, yeah, it's hot. Anyway, so, but there's other characters we had to skip. Some of them broke our hearts and some of it's funny. Like, oh, did you notice Danny Chase didn't make it? Aww. Aww. <laughs> Who did you want in that I had to skip? Uh, I, well, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to be critical of this because unlike the other, uh, you know, best, greatest hits episodes we've done of Who's Who, you would, there were just so many more to pick from for the Teen Titans. I mean, you had multiple eras of the team, so you're going to have to leave some out. Otherwise, this would be like a six-hour episode. Um, I, would, I mean, you know, Cole, Lilith, they were kind of big members of the team. Bumblebee, uh, Golden, e- Golden Eagle, I have a soft spot for, even though he's a real mort. Well, that, um, that particular Golden Eagle drawing, if I remember, it's by Perez. So, I mean, it was stunning. I, re- yeah. I wanted to include it because it's so beautiful. And, like, the protector? Yeah! Like, I mean, like, he belongs in there just because it's such a weird footnote yeah. in comics history that he's, you know, this we can't, <laughs> we can't license Robin, so, like, all of a sudden there's, hey, who are you? You know, that kind of thing. I, I came so close to put the protector in. I came yeah. so close. <laughs> and, and some of it just has amazing art. There's a lot of Tom Grummet art. And like you said, it was yeah. it was tough to choose. A lot of these characters, you know, it's like either have multiple Perez entries or have multiple, uh, you know, like a Perez and a, and a Grummet. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I like the Grummet better. I pick the Grummet instead. Mm-hmm. Like Kid Flash, Wally West was a tough one because like I, I – 
quite frankly, the George Perez entry is not my favorite for that one. However, it's the only one of him as Kid Flash. So I mm-hmm. felt like, all right, right, I should probably do it. So anyway, it's an interesting process going through and doing this. And, you know, shockingly, you know, Narc, uh, Gnark or whatever, and Joker's daughter, neither one had entries for us to include. Huh. Oh, man. Uh, that's, I understand why they didn't do, give Joker daughter, Joker's daughter a listing. But just for her cameo in New Teen Titans number 50, I, where she shows up at the wedding just to basically, you know, futz with uh, Dick Grayson, she deserved a listing. <laughs> A half page at least. <laughs> All right, folks. So tune in to HBO Max for Titans season three premiering on August twelfth. Uh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see it. And I guess it's going to do it. So next time we're going to do a Who's That, uh, but no spoilers on who that is just yet. Mm-hmm. So oh well. Until next time, who's <laughs> next? Here come the Teen Titans, a quartet of towering talents. Kid Flash, whose speed defies the eye to follow. Wonder Girl, swift and powerful super lass. Speedy, whose fantastic arrows perform awesome feats. Aqualad, bold and daring marine marvel. Fabulous foursome for right against might. The Teen Titans. 